And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio. And I thank you for joining me. If you if you if you are watching live on YouTube or Facebook, I thank you for sticking with me. And if you're listening on an audio platform after the fact, I thank you for downloading part one. And I thank you for downloading part two. So what I'm gonna do in part two, since I am tired. I started a new job that's very physically demanding, and I am beat, and I have no more answers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All I can do is try to field your question. So I'm going to turn the second half of tonight's show into a Q&A. So let's see what you got. Let's see if I can find some. Hey, my, my by the way, let's see who else is in the live chat. T-Money, my man Terry, had a fall recently, hurt his ribs, but he's doing, he's doing uh, well. Uh, and he's uh, gearing up for the uh, Christmas season. He's a big Pitt, Pitt fan, so he's pretty excited about the uh, the Pitt Panthers winning the ACC championship last week with their victory over Wake Forest. I know I am. I'm pretty stoked about it and can't wait for that Peach Bowl. What is it? It's the 10th, so a little under three weeks. I'll get to watch Pitt play in a New Year's Six Bowl, even though technically it'll be playing on December 30th, but still it's a New Year's Six Bowl, and it's a big move. It's a big deal for the program. So I'm pretty excited. And so is Terry. So hi, Terry. Hi, Kathy Ford. Jerry Cherry Band. He joins us. Steelers Pittsburgh. Let's see. Who else did I? Devin Logan. Scroll down. Uh, Michael O'Malley's with us. John Schweitzer from Facebook. Brian Brown from YouTube. Mark Duragas from, by the way, if I, if I mangled your last name, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. So let's see what we have here. Michael O'Malley says, Cam is most likely retiring. Hmm. I never really thought of that. I mean, he's playing at such a high level right now. Let me put, let me put Michael's uh, comment up there. He's playing at such a high level. I, I would, I would um, be shocked actually if he retired. Because I think he's got, at this rate, it seems like he has a few good years left in him. I know he's definitely frustrated, and you could see it last night at the press conference, at the post-game press conference. He's just sick of saying the same things over and over again. But there's a reason why Cam Hayward is a, is a uh, at this point, I would say a fringe Hall of Fame player, which is a pretty good place to be you know, if you're an NFL player, if, if you can make it to that point where people are, are wondering if you could be in the Hall of Fame, you've had one, yourself one heck of a career. There's a reason why he's there and guys like Henry Mondo and Isaiah uh, Loudermilk and those those people, players of that elk, where, why they're where they are. Sometimes you can preach it, but if, if you don't have the horses to follow you, it's not that they don't want to follow you, they're, they're, they're just too slow to follow, keep up with you, then it's going to be a frustrating experience each and every week. And he misses his brothers. I'm sure he misses Tyson. Alulu. He misses Stefan to it. You know, his brothers in arms. So that was one heck of a defensive. I think we can finally appreciate how good that unit was when those three were starting the last couple of years. And if you want to take it back to the days of Javon Hargrave, this has been one special unit, the uh, defensive line and probably an, un- an underappreciated part of the team. And now we're seeing how valuable it is with two of their key guys missing all year. So yeah, it's frustrating for Cam, but I don't see him retiring. I'd be shocked. But then again, I didn't, 
I didn't, uh, I wasn't anticipating Heath Miller retiring after 2015, and he did. So who knows? You never know. And Jesus says, send you a big hug the size of Texas. Now, that's a big hug. I don't know if it's directed at me, but whoever it's, it's directed at, I'm sure it's greatly appreciated. Uh, Pedro Alamagar says the Steelers miss Joe Hayden. That's exactly right. He's somebody, I don't know what's going on with him. He says he has some kind of injury. It must be pretty darn serious. He's missed what, like a month's worth of action. You know, that's just another, another problem with them. It's just injuries. TJ Watt again. I mean, to me in, in not, not no ill will towards TJ Watt, but this is one bad year to be witnessing that man standing on the sidelines in uh, team issued street gear. You know, and how many times have we seen it? How many games has he missed? Two, two and a half games, uh, maybe three after last night, I guess, four, maybe. You know, I know I know people like to argue, oh, he he has all these sacks and less games than Miles Garrett. But the 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 main issue that people are missing is he's he's uh missed so much time. And when he's not in there, they're a completely different team. So, you know, he left last night's game with another groin injury. So, you know. I, I realize injuries happen, but one of the one of the um, the fears of paying a guy the kind of money that they paid him eighty million dollars is that you know at some point uh, a, a football player can start breaking down physically. We saw it with his brother JJ Watt, and I'm not saying it's happening with TJ Watt. I'm just saying you know he's having one heck of a year. You know uh, Thursday afternoon, people are talking about him not just as a, as a defensive player of the year candidate, but as an NFL MVP candidate. And now I guess we have to wonder if he's going to play in the next game with, in a week or so. So yeah, Joe Hayden, uh, he's been out forever. Uh, Watts missed so much time this year. And, and it's just, it's just been one of those years. It really has. And that's another thing that's frustrating to me is basically proving the, the off season critics, right? This is an eight and eight team. Or I guess eight, eight, and one, nine, and eight, eight, and nine, whatever you want to call it, and that's exactly what they're playing like. And because of uh, ineffectiveness and in coaching, ineffectiveness with the with the, the players themselves, and of course injuries have just really derailed this team. And probably, you know, maybe taking one or two wins away at this point. For Kathy Ford, says of the offense. I think they did score on a first half possession once, or was that just a first down on first possession? Yeah, that's a great point, Kathy, because even getting first downs early on in the game is is, is a challenge for this offense. I mean, how many three and outs at the start of the game? Like two, three, four in a row against you know like against the the Ravens last week, last night. They, I mean, they they, they kind of moved the ball early, but they didn't score. They didn't score till. Uh, and here's a um, Dave Scotts of Facebook says coaches should have got players this year to protect Big Ben this year better. Well, people have to remember they didn't have when when those when the free agent frenzy began back in March. Remember this team was in salary cap hell back in March. Yeah, they freed up some space 
as the offseason went along, and they, that's how they signed a player like Trey Turner. Of course, they had to cut David DeCastro, so really it was a it was a one-for-one one trade in that regard. Um, cap space for for, for really a, a, another left guard or right guard. But, you know, when 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 uh, free agency kicked off in March, if they had any money, they probably would have signed Matt Filer, you know. And as far as the draft, we've been over this. Uh, by the time they, they picked, you know, there really wasn't anybody that I, I would have taken with the 24th pick over Najee Harris at running back. And I think, it, it to me, it's hard to argue with that pick. The only way you argue that pick is if you are talking in absolutes and you think that that they could have built a line with first and second round uh, players and and, ha- and and had and those guys would have been affected from day one, and it's it's not always that easy. You know, just because you pick a, a player in the first round at any position doesn't mean that player is going to be good right away, if ever. So, um, I think they did all they could do with the line. I, I'm I'm. I remain optimistic about about what they can do um, in the future with guys like Kendrick Green and, and Dan Moore Jr. And, and of course Kevin Dotson, who's been out a while. That's that's another player we have to another injury we have to talk about. He's he's on IR. I, I still I think he's still on IR with a high ankle sprain. So it's just been a bad year when it comes to injuries for this team in general. So. Uh, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to have a have a, a solid offensive line with Ben going into his last year. But what can you do? The, the line kind of just fell apart last year all at once. You know, Pouncey, Big Al, even Filer uh, didn't have a great year, even though he, he was a free agent and, and kind of cashed in. Uh, DeCastro was ineffective. He was probably their best offensive lineman going into last year, and he was ineffective all year. And what's he doing now, right? It's just – the line kind of deteriorated all at once, and it's hard to go out there and rebuild that in one off season. So, I, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's unrealistic to think they could have gone out and and taken a a couple of free agents or a draft or a first round pick and and put them in there, and, and they would have automatically protected Roethlisberger. We'll, we'll never know. Ah, here's one from Joseph. I I missed it, but now I found it. The Steelers, and he gives us four ninety nine. I thank you, Joseph. We all thank you. We always appreciate uh, the, uh, the 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 donation. And he says the Steelers are so inconsistent in so many areas. I'm not sure if it can be fixed in, in an off season. Well, I don't know if it can be fixed, but it can certainly improve. Because number one. They have, to repeat, you know, they have a lot of youngsters on their team who are getting valuable experience this year. And I know it's not, again, it's not fun to watch this these players um, gain experience. It's like I, I, I know it's probably not fun for my new bosses to watch me gain experience and struggle in my new job. So hopefully that will translate for them Uh in the off season and they'll grow as youngsters. They'll, they'll become better professionals. They'll become uh, better at being on the details and, and maybe 
physically they'll become stronger. We've, we've seen that a lot with second year and third year players. And uh, also they have, they're going to have room under the cap. I think, you know, I, I said last week it was 50. I read, I read about it. Um, since then, I think it's going to be 40, 45, whatever it is. They're going to have a lot. They're going to have way more space than they normally do. And uh, so that, that'll help them when free agency kicks off this time. Maybe they can be major players and grab one or two guys that can help them uh, as a team. But I think it's it's encouraging that, yes, they're, they're a mediocre team this year. But so many, and I've said this before, so many uh, of the local insiders are pretty insistent that this year, a lot that's going on this year is for the near future. And they, they kept Roethlisberger around at quarterback because he was their, first of all, he wanted to come back. And second of all, he was their best option of what they had available. They weren't going to go out and, and they didn't have the ability to go out and get uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or any of these these veterans, um, even a Sam Darnold was probably a bit too much to pay for the Steelers. So they kept Ben around and, and they hoped that he could maybe help them be a bridge to next year and, and be a true playoff team in, in the meantime, but it just doesn't look like it's going to work out that way, unfortunately. So, but I think, I think there's, 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 um, you know, we're going to be singing a, a different tune in the next year or two, which it's, it's hard to look that far ahead um, when you're in the middle of a six, six and one season and you want to, you want to see them make the playoffs and give you that, you know, that one game to look forward to. And if they win that game, then it's another one. And you can start dreaming as unrealistic as it may seem right now. We're all diehards at heart. And we all think that way as fans whether we want to admit it or not. Kathy Ford says, as of 16 minutes ago, wow, I didn't realize how, how, how behind I was with comments. We need to put you on life support. No, I'm pretty animated. I'm, I'm alive. Trust me, I'm alive. I can feel the pain, Kathy. I can feel the pain of that 36 to 28 loss. I can feel the pain of, of uh, those missed assignments that, that, Almost uh, sent Roethlisberger into retirement early. I can miss. I can feel the pain of the uh, of those huge holes, those gaping wounds that the the Steelers' defense allowed uh, Dalvin Cook to run through. So yeah, I, I'm alive. You don't have to worry about me. I, I don't. I could feel everything. I, I wish I was on not life support. Oh, God forbid. But like on, uh, I'm not gonna say. And just me says that Russell Wilson, he's always been rumored to come here. And by the way, John Clayton, of I think he's, I don't know who he's with now. He was with ESPN, but he's from Pittsburgh and he's been, he's been a, uh, an NFL reporter for decades. So he knows his stuff and he knows he has connections. And he says of the Russell Wilson discontent in Seattle, it's the most overblown story of the year. It's the most ridiculous story of the year. There's no true evidence that, that he wants out of Seattle. There's definitely a lot of visual evidence that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. But when it comes to Russell Wilson, but anyway, uh, just me says Russell wants Broncos Giants, or I can't remember the other non-Steelers team. See, I, I don't I don't know about that, just me, because 
if you if you if you listen to a lot of these national reporters, they don't seem to think that he's going to go anywhere now. All right. Scroll down to some new comments. And this is from Shannon White. Shannon White joins us. And he says, Ben would have cost the Steelers $15 million if he didn't play. Plus, he took a $5 million pay cut. He hasn't been the problem. He was incredible during that epic comeback. That's true. He was. I mean, he looked. You look like old Ben. Um, not old Ben, but vintage Ben in the fourth quarter last night. Just like you look great in the fourth quarter against the uh against the Chargers. I guess the problem with Ben is he can't look that way for four quarters because he's 39 years old and and uh he just doesn't have the uh he doesn't have the uh physical capabilities to do that anymore. And that's why you, you need a good supporting cast. And it just wasn't going to, I guess it just wasn't in the cards for them this year to, uh, to have that supporting cast with their financial problems. People forget about that. You know, they, they were in financial hell in the spring and it took many months to, to find the, um, the financial flexibility that they, that they had by this, by the time that Kevin Colbert was the, uh, the Godfather, whatever people were calling him, after the uh, the Schobert trade and the uh, signing Melvin Ingram and bringing in Akilo Witherspoon, who, oh by the way, suddenly looks like a uh, a uh, a great pickup. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago we were talking about him being an absolute bum, and why would you waste a fifth round pick on Akilo Witherspoon? And now he seems to be uh, he seems to have taken James Pierre's job. And he was probably the best player in their secondary. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, he did have two crucial interceptions last night. So who knows? There's a, there's a younger guy who maybe, you know, if you have to move on from Joe Hayden after this year, perhaps Witherspoon can, can, um, you know, we all thought it would be James Pierre and it still could be, I mean, you know, just cause he's struggled and has seemingly been benched at least as a starter. I guess that's what being benched is. Anyway, it uh, doesn't mean he can't get better, but maybe next year, you know, you have Cam Sutton and uh, and Witherspoon as your starters at corner, or maybe you have James Pierre, and maybe he he makes that leap and he he learns from his struggles, and you have Witherspoon and Pierre, and you can move Sutton back inside. You can use his versatility more. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, Witherspoon is he's he's been a bright spot the last few weeks. And that might be one of those, uh, if they can sign him, I don't know what his uh, contract is. I think he's might be a, maybe a free agent after this year. But um, if you can retain a player like that, maybe that's the next year I was talking about this, you know, what they're doing right now is for down is for the immediate future, not necessarily this year. All right, what do we have here? And this is one. This is one from Michael O'Malley, who, which is, I think, is a, a, a really, really horrible take. And he says we should have just advanced Bruce Arians as the head coach. Tomlin was a true affirmative action hire. Again, to repeat ourselves for the millionth time, Dan Rooney said that 
Mike Tomlin was not a Rooney Rule hire. He was not a Rooney Rule interview. It was uh, it was uh, uh, Ron Rivera, and that's to me that's a horrible thing to say for somebody who's a uh, longtime uh, watcher of this show. A shame on you, Michael. So uh, that's a horrible thing for a, a true Steeler fan would never say that. He was not an affirmative action hire. He's a great coach, and it's that those are it's uh whatever. What else we have here? And this is Matt Smith says, I agree. And you can, you can criticize Mike Tomlin without bringing in the Rooney rule thing. And people, they, you know, people wonder why uh, you, you, you question the, the, the motives of fans when they criticize Mike Tomlin and Michael O'Malley was a great example of that, but you can, you can criticize the head coach without bringing race into it. And, and Mike Smith says there's been a coaching game plan issue, but he just has to adjust and he can. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've seen, yeah, we've seen the good uh, Mike Tomlin far more than the bad Mike Tomlin over the years. And, you know, Bill Cowher struggled a lot uh, before he won the Super Bowl, and nobody ever accused him of being an affirmative action hire. Uh, Chuck Knoll was a uh, – his last 10, 11 years here were abysmal, if you really go back and look at it. He had a couple of cool moments in 1984, 1989, but mostly after 1979 – his coaching performances were average, but nobody ever uh, said he sh- he was hired because of uh, affirmative action. But it's Mike Tomlin, you know, and that, to me, that's just a bad, horrible thing to say. And I don't care how long Michael's been watching this show. Shame on you. And George Medvis says, and how come nobody puts blame on Colbert? Well, I think people do put blame on Colbert, but it's a lot easier to blame the coach. We see it in sports all the time. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot easier to blame the coach than it is to blame the, the, the GM. I don't care what the, uh, what the sport you're talking about. Um, and I think a lot of reason why people, people would rather blame the coach than the GM or even the players is because people don't want to admit usually that their team is less talented than the other team. And, it's quite obvious with this Steeler team that they're less talented than most teams that they're going up against. And that happens in sports. You can't be the, the most talented team uh, year in and year out for decades. Like they, I mean, you know, they've had one heck of a run over the last 30 years. Um, and to me, the fact that they were able to uh, remain competitive uh, from t- 2011 through, I mean, even now you can call them somewhat competitive. Uh, after that Super Bowl run, it's rare. It's rare for teams to to have the kind of uh, even just to hang on and, and be be uh, relevant the the following decade after a, a championship run. Usually, teams fall off the uh, shelf and they they become ir- irrelevant for a while. Look at how many teams have been irrelevant for stretches since they had a Super Bowl run. The Cowboys, the 49ers were one of the worst teams in football for years after after their Super Bowl run. You know, the Dolphins have never been able to find relevance again since the, uh, what, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the Broncos 
for the most part. Well, I guess they won the Super Bowl, but they needed Peyton Manning and, you know, a great defense. So, you know, for the Steelers to remain uh, competitive, uh, you know, I think they have to, they, they, they uh, should be given some credit for it. Just Me says, I had a great time at the Ravens game. First time at Heinz Field was fantastic for me. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad, Just Me. Glad you had a good time. Uh, I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of people had, had great, you know, from judging from social media, a lot of people had, uh, had a, had a, a great time at, at that game. What it, it was a good game to go to Terry, my, my, my friend Terry says, as much as I hate to hear about the non losing streak, it makes a statement to Tomlin's coaching abilities. Yeah. You know, the guy has his flaws. There's no question. And the, uh, the non-losing streak thing, it doesn't mean as much as, you know, people wanted to mean. It's kind of like, in a lot of ways, the Ravens going after the, the, um, that streak of, of rushing for 100 yards as a team. But it also speaks to, to Tomlin's abilities as a coach, his abilities to, to keep a locker room together, his abilities to never lose his team. Because it's so easy in sports to stumble and fall and have that losing season, and, and they still might have it uh, when all said, is said and done in 2021. But to go 15 years or whatever it's been without having a losing season, that's that's hard to do. That, to go that long and only have one game where you were out of the playoffs officially at game at, at kickoff, that's re- re- very rare, and and not just the NFL, but in sports in general. And Jeff Lauderdale, and by the way, thanks, Terry, for that for that comment. I definitely think we are following the Patriots' two-year game plan with sights on competing for a championship next season. The fact that Ben is the quarterback makes fans believe we are trying to win now. Yeah, I think I think they're trying to um, – the, the plan was, and I've said this many times, I said it earlier on the show, the plan was to try to put a competitive enough team together and hope that Ben had one more magical year left in him because he was their, their best option. It hasn't quite worked out that way. But in the meantime, they're building for the future. They're, they have their, their running back. They have their, their young tight end. As much of, as a, of a, uh, a goofball as Claypool is, he's, he appears to be uh, on his way to being a superstar receiver uh Deontay Johnson super, is going to be a superstar receiver um their line hopefully again hopefully they 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 can improve and and gel as a unit and of course we know the defense can do a lot of things when healthy the key is to stay healthy the key is to get key players like to it and Alu back so you see, you look at the Patriots. They went out. They struggled last year. They had Cam Newton at quarterback and whoever that other guy was. But in the meantime, they 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 got their team. They got their act together as a team. They they rebuilt, and they went out and they they drafted Mac Jones, and he's been a really good game manager. But at the same time, um, their defense has been lights out, and that's why they're 
they're back to being a contender again. So maybe that can happen for the Steelers next year, depending on uh, who the quarterback is. If it's a, a youngster, if it's a veteran, maybe he'll be the, uh, the missing ingredient. You know, Dave Schofield said this many times, uh, you know, wouldn't it be better to, to have a more of a complete team in place when you bring your new quarterback in, that, especially if he's a youngster, then to bring him in and throw him in with all these other problems you have. So that, that was big Ben's uh, entree into the NFL. I mean, he was, a, a he obviously had a lot of great abilities and he showed them right away, but he also had a great team that he, that he, he uh, was drafted by and it was a complete team and complete on offense, complete on defense. And, and uh, he was just a missing piece of the puzzle. So, And on that note, I will take this time to say goodbye. And uh, I thank you for joining me. It was a fun show. We, uh, we all uh, commiserated, I think, rather nicely. Well, most of us. And uh, I look forward to talking to you on Monday on The Hangover with Brian and our guest tonight, Shannon White. Until then, have a great weekend and as hard as it is to say right now, go Steelers. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.